Welcome to the Harvest Australia podcast. We trust you'll be blessed by this message from Senior Pastor Marty Manuel. Well, just while you're um, recovering, um, why don't you turn to Psalm 37 with me if you can. Um, It's almost right in the middle. Um, This passage, this chapter has been a chapter that... um, I've really used myself as um, quite a, a strong arm chapter that um, in times of questioning or need or uh, working out seasons and working out where I'm at, I'll often go to Psalm 37. And um, so I want to talk today. Um, there's, there's been a theme that I've felt for even for months on, and you might remember I, I brought in the massive zucchini um, on fruitfulness and, um, and so today I want to sort of continue that theme a little bit um, and talk about season of fruitfulness. And um, so I'll start by reading a bit of Psalm 30, 37, and um, we'll just explore around that, I think. Psalm 37 verse 1 says, Do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers, for they will wither quickly like the grass. I'll just park it there for a minute. Doesn't that sound good? If you've ever been in a trial, if you've ever been in a time where you're just not sure how things are going to pan out, how you're going to pay the bills, how is this situation, this disaster going to work itself out, or what's going to happen in a few months' time, the uncertainty, then this kind of anchor passage could be really good for you as it has been for me. Do not fret because of evildoers. And I've often thought back to those three words, do not fret. Isn't it a, isn't it a funny saying, do not fret? But it's, it's such a, a, a strong way of saying we have nothing to worry about. Do not worry, I think other versions say. For they will wither quickly like the grass. Now, this is talking particularly about evildoers, but I've often related to this in talking about situations. And so it may not even be people. It may be strongholds. It may be things coming against you. It may be your own doubts and insecurities. But when I look at these things, the Word of God says in verse 2, For they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the greed herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What a promise. All we have to do is delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart. It's one of those statements like in the last few weeks I've thrown out a few verses like this that, that are almost too good to be true. But it's the word of God so it has to be true. And so whenever we're questioning our situations, we can always go back to this and say that if we're putting the Lord first, if we're delighting ourselves in the Lord. Now, this word delight, it's an interesting word because normally we would sort of think of if we're putting the Lord first, if he's number one, then he'll take care of us in all the other areas. But this actually says delight ourselves in him. Have fun with him. Enjoy him. Don't make it a stress or hard or a burden. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And so when we think about this, do something fun with him. Do something that doesn't weigh you down, that doesn't bring condemnation. 
And maybe, uh, you know, you've got into a situation where you, you feel like even reading the Word, it's hard work. Sometimes we all go through seasons where it can be a hard job to open the Bible and find where we're reading and find motivation. Well, then straight away, probably what we need to do is delight ourselves in the Lord. Find the area of delight. Find the area of joy. Find whatever it is that connects you with Jesus and that brings you happy thoughts and brings you into a place of um, joy, worship, freedom. And that's the place that he actually says he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's not actually in all the disciplines and even as good as they are, and and I think they're a a helpful part of our faith, but they're not the things that are going to make it really happen and the Lord actually bless us. It's when we delight in him. So when we find our delight, I know it's midwinter, and sometimes midwinter is, it's, you know, it's hard to have a pump-up sermon in midwinter. I've done, this is my eighth winter now of preaching, and I've recognized that. So if any time you just want to sort of freak out and, and have a joy moment, you can do that, right? Um, but, um, but uh, you know, it's one of those seasons that, that we have to, um, you know, everyone's a little bit colder, and maybe you were up last, late last night watching the election, um, you know, and, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things. But think about this. Think about this. What do you like doing? What do you delight in? What do you enjoy? What lights your fire? What, what gets you excited? What, what, what are those thoughts for you? Well, they're the same channel of thoughts. That's the ch- same part of the brain that the Lord wants to take over in delighting in Him. So, you know, if we, if we like adrenaline, as I like a little bit of adrenaline, and if we like that sort of thing, then it's that same channel that he's going to use for the connection point for him. And so this is why sometimes, you know, we, it, it's great to worship together and lift our spirits because we start to get into a realm that we don't normally operate in naturally. Because naturally we have to function and we... We talk to people, we go to work, we maybe go to school or we study or we pay our bills or we tidy the house, whatever we do. These sorts of functions aren't actually our, our normal connection point with God. So when we learn to delight in Him, we find that happy place. I know that's a really simple um, terminology, but finding our happy place with Him is our connection point. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. What is your heart desiring today? What is your heart desiring? What are those things that if you were to write them down, you know, your top five things, and it can't be one continuous wish? You know what I mean? Uh, I think I'm going to have to rev people up a little bit more this morning. You just, yeah, like permanent chocolate. That's right. (laughs) You know, when when someone asks you, okay, if you could have one wish, what would it be? One continuous wish. Um, You know, that doesn't really work. But if... If, if you were really honest with yourself this morning and said, what are the desires of my heart? Some people might not even know what those desires are. Therefore, we need to explore that and, and um, you know, learn what are our desires. What is my connection point? What is my passion point in life so I can actually be fulfilled and see the season of fruitfulness explode in my life or expand or grow? And so finding that position of delighting yourself in the Lord, I believe it's a real connection point to a season of fruitfulness. And so, because if we don't, if we don't know where our passion is and where our joy is, then often the fruit doesn't come forth. Um, we, we like to grow things, and we've got some fruit trees in the backyard. And, um, you know, it's funny, um, for all these years, I've never really actually, and this may, may, may um, 
be like a, a dumb moment. But I've actually only realized this first season that oranges um, harvest in this season, right? And I was thinking about it because we've got an orange tree and it's our first year that we can actually pick fruit off it. It's nearly ready. And I, I said to Karen, wow, isn't it amazing? 40 years and I, I've only just figured out that God knew we needed vitamin C in winter. And so I'm looking at that going, wow, that's phenomenal. What great planning. What great planning. He, he knew this sort of stuff. But he, he's, he's, he's absolutely intent on getting it right, isn't he? The seasons and the times and, the, and, and the, the winds and things that he uses to bring about his purposes. And when we learn to delight in them, we actually get in his slipstream of joy. And I remember when I was even looking at that, I was thinking, wow, that's just another realm of the Lord I didn't realize. So I've got another area of delight in him now with a fruit tree that I know it may sound mundane, but you know, when you, when you start harvesting your own stuff, it's, it's really kind of refreshing, it's satisfying. And, um, and so it's another area of delight that I found in him because, and then I looked at the season, I thought, wow, this is what we need in winter, everyone's getting colds so and we need vitamin C. And so he's even mapped that out and planned that out. And I mean, it's just amazing, isn't it? Anyway, so I want to get through a little bit more of Psalm 37 because it gets even better. It says commit in verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Now, if you're like me and if you've ever been in a season where you're feeling like things haven't gone your way, then this is a great passage for you. Or maybe you've actually... um, You've probably never been like me and wanted vengeance on someone, but I have in my past life, and I've actually used this passage as ammunition, prayer ammunition. Now, I know you're all too holy for that, and you would never have done that, but there are times in our life, there are times in our life when we actually do get wrongly done by. We get hard done by. Now, I'm not saying that then we take vengeance and we do all that sort of stuff, but there is a streak in us, a righteousness streak in us that needs satisfying. Now, stick with me on this because I'm going somewhere. I'm not saying that we have to satisfy it, but when we bring it to the Word of God, when we sanctify our hearts and we say, okay, I don't like that. I don't even, I'm not even at the point where I like that person yet. But what I'm going to do, Lord, is I'm going to bring it to you. I'm going to bring it to the cross and I'm going to ask you to sanctify me, sanctify this situation, sanctify them, wash us in your blood, cleanse this situation. But in the process, I'm going to commit my way to you. I'm going to trust in you and I know you're going to do it. You're going to bring forth my righteousness like the noonday sun. And so it may not be our way of getting vengeance, so to speak, but we put, we stake a claim on his truth. We stake a claim that he's going to bring forth your promises like the noonday sun. The noonday sun in Australia, we really know what this is about because it's boiling hot. It's boiling hot. That's how he wants to bring your promises about. That's how he wants to resurrect your even promises you might have laid down. Even things you might have felt that's never borne fruit. I've spent 10 or 15 years of my life or whatever it is, a whole season of my life sowing into a field that never borne a harvest. I want to say when I was preparing this, this I knew that this one line I'm about to say and this encouragement is for some of you today who have come, that it has not been wasted years. It has not been wasted years. 
I want to guarantee you that you've been committing yourself to the Lord. You've been trusting in Him, even though it's stretched you and it's felt like it's almost broken you or maybe even broken you. It has not been in vain. If that's the only thing you hear today, then that's the word of the Lord for you. Because I can guarantee you it hasn't been in vain. And I know that from my own life. I know that from many people here. And I know it from the word of God. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday sun. What a promise from the word of God. Verse 7. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. I know that is an annoying word. It is an annoying word if you've ever wanted to see a promise come about and you've waited years for someone to say, be patient, be patient, pat, 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 and you just feel like slap, 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 you know. It's the last thing you want to hear is be patient because you think, I've already been patient. I've stretched as far as I can stretch. I can't go any longer. Then it says, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing, for evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. This is a promise to you and me if we're faithful if we trust in him, if we put everything in our household, align it with his word, align it with truth, align it with hope, and align it with faith. Faith is the currency that makes things happen. If you've ever wanted to think about it from an investing point of view, it's your money that when you put it in an investment, when you put it somewhere, that triggers a possible return on your investment. Until you actually make that transaction of putting money into this, the, whatever it might be, the investment portfolio or whatever, until you actually physically do that, nothing's going to happen with your investment. You might still have it, but you haven't actually exercised it. Until we exercise our faith, it doesn't actually extrapolate into increase. And so the expression of our faith or the stepping out of our faith is the thing that triggers heaven. It's almost like, I think it's like the Lord inclines his ear to those who begin to exercise in faith. He loves it. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love, but how can we love if we do not express it via faith? James says it in, in his letters, uh, in his letter, and he actually says, faith actually works, uh, love actually works through faith, and we demonstrate our love by our faith. And our good works. And so an expression of our transaction, if you like, of expressing that is actually to exercise it. Um, Verse 10. uh, Sorry, I'll go to... Yeah, verse 10. Yet a little while and the wicked man will be no more. You'll look carefully for his place and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant prosperity. If you're anything like me, maybe if you can think back over your life there will probably be times where you've looked at other people, maybe other groups or other people that you've known, and you've thought, man, everything they touch turns to gold. They've just got everything going for them. And, and maybe, maybe they haven't even been nice to you in the process, or it's not been necessarily a, a really happy time for you, a prosperous time for you. And so there's been maybe ill feeling or something like that. This this is the time when we look back over our lives and we think, hey, I'm still standing. I'm still standing. 
And it doesn't matter what's happened with them. Maybe they've gone on and prospered more. Maybe they haven't. Maybe they've slipped back and, you know, that was all a, a, a season of their life, that, but they haven't been able to steward it through to longevity. But if we judge ourselves by always trying to compete with the, the latest and the greatest and the fastest runner, so to speak, in the faith or whatever it might be, we're always going to be chasing after the wind. But then when we recognize our relationship with the Father is completely unique to us, it's completely unique to me. It's got nothing to do with anyone else. It's so unique that he is intent on bringing about your th- fruit through your life. There's a lot of spit happening up here this morning, but it's just the way it goes. But he loves your fruit. He loves your fragrance. He loves your worship. Yes, he loves mine and the person next to you, but he actually loves the individual worship. He loves the individual sacrifice. If you look back at the Old Testament, we can see an expression of this, of, of, the, of when um, in Leviticus, he actually describes in such detail the offerings that each person was to bring as a recompense or as a sin offering, grain offering, or whatever it might have been. And, and it was so, there's so much detail in the offering to the Lord. He, he's so, um, he, he, he loves us so much that he wants to bring out the best in each and every one of us individually. He wants to bring about a corporate blessing, of course. But I believe that when we can actually um, believe in ourselves for a release, then it just, it's contagious. It catches. It's, it's contagious with all of us. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 says this. And this is a, um, let's say, a promise to mankind, okay? A promise to mankind. To Adam and Eve, yes, but a promise to mankind. So this never changes. Even with Old Covenant, New Covenant, this declaration over the human race does not change. Verse 28 of chapter 1. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And this, and then it goes on and, and, and God explains to, to mankind, let's say, uh, about how to do that and how much dominion that mankind was called to actually have in the earth. Now, some people take this too far, maybe, um, you know, with the whole dominion idea. But I think there's an essence of truth in here that we cannot miss, that God has called you and me to have dominion in our area of influence, in our lives, firstly, in our relationships, financially, in in the realm around us. He has given you and me authority to carry the kingdom of heaven. And when we recognize that, we begin to realize it's so much bigger than me. It's so much bigger than you. It's so much bigger. Even if you feel like the winds are blowing and things are stirring, maybe there's confusion. It doesn't matter because it's bigger than you anyway. He is in you. He is bigger than you. And so Actually, this is a declaration, an eternal declaration, because this will continue even in heaven, I think. It actually will get elevated to an even greater place of heavenly glory. But you think about it now, for us here, he's, he's commanding us, if you like, be fruitful and increase in number. And of course, that's talking about population. But then he says, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every living creature that moves on the ground. And, and I think this is an expression of not just 
animals. It's actually saying here that we are called to be people who are fruitful, who multiply. What are we multiplying? We're ultimately multiplying Jesus in us, aren't we? Because it's him in us, him in us. And so we want to multiply him and all of his attributes. And that's why I want to really summarize everything I'm trying to say today by I believe that when, when I was preparing this, I believe that there's, there's, there's two real seasons in life. There's the season where we don't feel like we're yet seeing the fruitful um, outcomes of maybe years of investing and sowing and, and asking the Lord for things and believing for things. But then there's a season of fruitfulness that we're actually beginning to enter. And I, I feel this even over us as a church family that there's areas, there's certainly areas in our, our ministries and in our church family that we've never seen this kind of fruit before. And, and we need to actually testify to that. And, um, and so it's young and old, it's, it's, it's all over. Um, and it was, I mean, it was great to go to Supernatural School on Monday night and see, um, you know, the passion of, I mean, a, a lot of, actually, it was a lot of the wise ones from the house, actually, um, uh, seeking after the prophetic, seeking after what the Lord might be saying. Um, and, and Joel actually has a prophecy about that. Remember that? Um, and so it's for young and old. And, and then obviously our, our younger guys, you know, and, and I've said this a few times that, you know, we saw 60 to 70 young people saved last year in the youth ministry culture nights. Um, and then even more if you combine the salvations from, uh, from the college, Southern Vales, at both campuses. So God, and we've never seen that before as a ministry. Never, ever, ever, ever seen that kind of fruit before. And so we've, it's not a bragging point. It's, Lord, we're so thankful for what you're doing. It's, yeah, give him a round of applause. Because what person in their right mind wouldn't look out at their, on, their orange tree for the first time that has borne beautiful fruit and not go and pick the fruit and eat it? And so that's what testimony is. We're picking the fruit and eating it. And when we eat it, we get all that sustenance and goodness into our being. And so that's why we've got to recognize what God's doing. And sure, there might be challenges and trials, but the testimony of God is so powerful. It brings a recurring anointing. Because when you hear the testimony, you like what you're hearing, don't you? I, um, some of you will remember the Brownsville revival from 20 years ago, and you might have seen on social media that um, you know, there's some things happening of the 20th anniversary of Brownsville. And some of you guys here went to Brownsville, I know, the revival that broke out 20 years ago, and about 100,000 people saved in the space of a few years. And, um, um, but it was interesting when I was watching the sort of promo of the 20. 20th year anniversary, it brings back all the memories, doesn't it? It all brings back, wow, God really did some phenomenal things. And it brings to fore that, that, same, that same desire of the Lord to, to do it again and release his power and save hundreds and thousands of, of people in our region because that's the heart of God. And so testimony is so powerful. And so I want to I wanna encourage you, if you're in a season where you're not yet seeing the fruitfulness of those years of sowing in, I want to encourage you, it wasn't a waste of time. It wasn't a waste of time. Even if there's times where you think, well, that was just terrible. That's fallen apart. Relationships have maybe splintered. All sorts of things that happen. Let me tell you, go back to Psalm 37. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Wait patiently for the Lord and he will bring it about. 
And uh, anyway, I could keep, keep going on in that whole passage, but, but it would take me all day because it keeps going. But I, I really feel to impression you with that today, that your labor has not been in vain. Your labor has actually been building a deep deposit for a harvest, for a harvest. Now, maybe you're seeing the cloud on the horizon just tiny. Maybe it's not even a fist. Maybe it's a fingernail. Let me tell you, hang on to that. Hang on to that. Maybe it's a promise someone gave you. Maybe it's a prophecy. Maybe it's, you know, uh, things that have been confirmed in your life. Do not let go of those things. It may not come about the way you hoped. I've learned that. It may, it, a lot of things haven't come about the way I hoped they would. But he still brings them about. And he actually then brings them about better than I could have. And his timing is perfect because he knows the seasons. He knows when best to harvest us. He knows when best to release our fruit out. And so um, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9 says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. What a promise. If you, this is just like compliments Psalm 37, doesn't it? If you've ever wanted an encouraging um, kind of passage, Psalm 37 and 2 Chronicles 16, this, this is it. If you need to be strengthened in the Lord. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. So he is absolutely committed to you. He's committed to seeing the best in you. He's committed to seeing your desires become his desires. And his desires become your desires. So that when you're sowing, you're sowing his seed. And, and what harvest would not come about when we're sowing his seed? Of course he's going to bring about a harvest. And so sometimes it takes a yielding to bring a yield. Do you know what I mean by that? And so those two words are almost like... A paradox, but they work very close together. Sometimes our yielding actually returns the best yield. And so when we learn to say, all right, Lord, I don't know what's been going on. I don't know why I've had to put up with this. I don't know why I've been the one who's had to struggle and I haven't got the breakthroughs like everyone else seems to get those breakthroughs. Your time has not been wasted. Let me encourage you today. If you've committed your way to him, trust in him. He will bring forth your light as the noonday sun. And you might be saying, well, you know, time's running out for the noonday sun to come about. Well, the Word of God, the Word of God supersedes how you feel. The Word of God supersedes your experiences. The Word of God supersedes people's rejection of you. The Word of God supersedes leaders may be treating you badly or no one's recognizing your gift or whatever it might be, relational breakdowns. The Word of God is bigger than all of that. It's more powerful than all of that. And if we live our lives on the opinion of others and our relational breakdowns or successes, then we're going to be very inflexible people. We're normally going to suffer from rejection. We're normally not going to bear the kingdom fruit. Why? Because we live in our experience rather than from truth. And the Word of God brings truth. And sometimes, you know, you'll know this when God gives you a love slap and you'll read something that's true and you'll go, I've been living slightly outside of the truth. I've actually been living on what that person said about me. Or I've been living on actually how I feel about that situation. It's not okay. That's an illegal version of living in Christ. 
Because we must live by truth. And truth is like a double-edged sword. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, but you might have self-justified yourself for months and for months and for months, but then somehow maybe it's an apostolic leader, maybe it's a, a someone who loves you, a mum or a dad or a, someone, and they just bring a little reality pill into your life for a moment. You think, whoa, okay. So for months I've been having a pity party about how everyone else is doing this and how this is happening to me, but it actually wasn't living in truth. It was living in my own little feelings, but it's, it's illegal to do that in the kingdom. We have to have truth running through our veins. That's why politics is so confusing, because you so rarely get to the truth. Was it Medicare? Was it Medicare? You know, was it this? It, it's like, it's so confusing, and you just don't know who to believe. And I mean... I really watch a lot of this stuff. I listen to it every day and I really try and follow. I meet with politicians and I still have no clue about some of these things. And I think, how is the average person in Australia meant to understand this? And so that's when we need to trust, commit our ways to the Lord. You are above this, Lord. We don't even have a clue. Half of them don't have a clue. But you are above this. You are above this. We commit our way to you. We trust you and we ask you to bring our light like the noonday, over Australia, over our politics, over our finances, over everything. Galatians 5, I've shared from that in the last few weeks, um, the fruit of the Spirit. But let me just, let me just summarize it with this. Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. I love that last little bit. There is no law against bearing radical fruit for the kingdom of God. You can bear as much fruit as you can possibly pop out of your skin. You can just keep on bearing and bearing and bearing. You, you'll never get too old to bear fruit. You, I mean, you do get too old to bear kids, ladies, you know that. But you never get too old to bear kingdom fruit. You can just keep going all day. And if you've been sowing for 20 years, then think what you're going to be reaping. I heard Danny Silk from Bethel Church say recently that someone came up to him, and I think he's just turned 50 or something like that, and he said, he said um, it's really good because someone said to him, you're, you're about to come into the season where you will reap for the next 50 years what you sowed for the first 50. And he said to them, um, did you have to tell me now? You know, what about 10 years ago, 20 years ago? It would have been nice. You know? But if you think about that, if we in the second half of our lives reap what we sowed in the first half of our lives, now I'm not saying this is a, a biblical principle at all because some people just get saved in the latter half of their life and the last year of their life may be just what the Lord wanted for them here on earth. And I had an uncle who was exactly like that, an alcoholic most of his life and had diabetes, and, um, but he got born again very, very, very late in life. And just those last couple of years were, were like heaven for him. And the people around him because he got to actually bear fruit in a kingdom sense. But if we think about this just from a, from a, um, a pictorial setting, that what we're sowing, we will reap. What we're sowing, we will begin to reap. And I, I think that often our journeys are, are, are different in the sense of we'll have various areas of our lives that we're reaping um, from sowing, and then other, others may be struggles. So this is like a almost a convoluted journey. I think there was a, a, a sermon preached on that. I can't remember who preached that. I think they preached it here. 
might have been Brian Simmons or someone like that on the convoluted journey. And, and I think our lives can often be like that sometimes. But watch for the fruit. Watch for the fruit. Watch for reaping of the harvest in your life. If you have areas in your life where there's a harvest beginning to come forth or a season of fruitfulness beginning to come forth, ask the Lord, how do I treat this harvest? Because if we go back to the Old Testament, we look at their harvests. The first thing they did with the harvest is what? Offering. Offering. First thing. Now, this is often not something we do. Now, we might give a quick thanks to the Lord or something like that. I'm not even talking financially here, okay? But that, that can come. That comes out of a generous spirit. But what I'm talking about is if we've got areas of our lives, maybe it's a breakthrough at work or relationally, um, financially, at home, in certain situations around, if we are seeing that kind of fruit, the first thing we want to do is give back an offering to the Lord. Lord, I thank you so much for what you've done. Thank you for bringing that breakthrough. Sanctify it somehow. It may be financially. It may be in another way. But sanctify it before the Lord. And the reason I say that is because this is something that Karen and I, make. We, we do this really strictly. If there's an opportunity to sow, we make sure we're, we're positioned for it. If there's an opportunity to sow into the kingdom, we take it so seriously that we, we, we will both often you know, prod each other or, and you need unity and that kind of thing and you need to know the Lord and not do it under compulsion and do it freely. But we will look at it and say, hey, we want to sow in that field. We want to partake of that reaping and of that harvest. And we don't manipulate God just because of this. But he knows that we have learned something in this realm of giving so that it could be financial, but it could also be, no, I want to be part of this. Um, Odinga Church Plant for us is a little bit like that. It's, it's a small harvest field right now. But every single afternoon when I go down and we worship, and it's been amazing worshipping afternoons actually down there and the community that God's bringing. Um, but every single afternoon, I'm just saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm sowing in this region. My, by my feet being on this ground, I'm sowing in this region. And I, I'm sowing by faith for what you want to do in a whole region. And, and we do these things by faith until the evidence comes, until the harvest begins to come forth. And so I think there's three areas of fruitfulness, just to summarize everything. Three areas of fruitfulness that God um, is, is really um, concerned about making our lives fruitful. And firstly is our relationship with Jesus. Second is financially and third is relationally. I've talked a little bit about this over the past few weeks, so I won't spend long on it. But he wants to bring about, firstly, fruit in his relationship with you and with me. He wants his kingdom fruit flowing through us so that the desires of our heart are his and he can actually bear that harvest. Second, financially. There's a lot said in churches and Christian ministries, particularly in the West, uh, about financial blessing and prosperity and abundance and all this sort of stuff. And, and so I'm not going to speak for a long time on it. But the one thing I will say is that we have seen in our lives, if we have our financial generosity sorted with the Lord, a whole lot of other things fall into place. Now, I can't give you a whole list of, you know, rules and do's and don'ts and, you know, there's, there's enough said about all of that. But I know for us personally, when we are giving, when we are putting our finances before the Lord and saying, Lord, we are going to give to you whether we've got the money or not. We're going to give to you by faith. 
we're going to position ourselves as people who give an offering. An offering to the king because it's all his anyway. That's what Malachi chapter uh, 3 talks about. Malachi says, you know, we don't want to rob the Lord. And a lot of people get confused on that whole passage. But I know when I'm with the Lord, the first thing I do is say, all right, I've got to position myself right. And so this is a big area of fruitfulness. If you want to be fruitful in the kingdom, this is an anchor point, giving to him. The third is relationally. And this is really where we've learned and we've taken a lot from Wayne and Irene. Relational fruitfulness. It's where churches fail. It's where marriages often fail. It's where we often get it wrong in, uh, as leaders perhaps and, and as people and as families that God brings together, communities that God tries to blend together. This one area, if we can get it right on relationships, we can see so much fruit. So much fruit. It means a whole lot of healing needs to flow over the body of Christ. It needs heart reformation because we can't just stand in pride and think we're right and they're wrong all the time. When the patterns happen three times, maybe the trigger should go off somewhere that maybe I'm a participant of this. And so when we actually position ourselves as, as part of the solution, it's not them. It's not them. What's my position in this relationship to bring healing? What's my position in this relationship to bring truth? What's my position in this relationship so that we can both prosper? Rather than, see, if churches stand on just doctrine, then all we've got to do is argument like politics. There must be more than just doctrine that we agree on. There must be a heart connection because we're actually one body. And a body is connected to each other. And the blood of Jesus flows through us. And so if we can get that right, if we can, yes, of course, we need to agree on things. And, you know, we, we live in the same region and we have, you know, similarities and all that sort of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. Every church has its own flavor. And I think that's fantastic. It's like a tribal anointing that he gives every church family. But there's something greater than just our beliefs and our doctrine and it's a heart connection that he wants to bring about. And he wants to bring about because I believe this is the thing that overcomes offenses. It overcomes issues. It overcomes insecurities. And it brings healing to the body of Christ. And when we see the body of Christ rise up like that, it's so powerful. It's absolutely powerful. I think we're yet to even see this in its larger form. But I feel like from... From Wayne and Irene, we've really received a, a fresh, uh, I don't know what the word is, a fresh awareness of what a heart reformation really looks like. And it's flowed through this house. And it's flowing through other houses. It's not like we've got anything, you know, super special that no one else has got. But Jesus wants to bring about a bride that is unified, that loves itself, loves itself, and loves others. And so if we can get this right, the fruitfulness flows, fruitfulness relationally, fruitfulness in other people. Other people come to you because they can see the fruit in your life and they want the success you've got. They want the things that you've got. I've spoken to a few people this week, actually, who, who don't fellowship here, but they came and saw me and one in particular came and saw me from another church and, and um, he just wanted some guidance on some particular things in, in uh, the areas uh, of career and that sort of thing because he'd seen the fruit in my life and I'm not bragging, but I've seen this now, the Lord bringing people who actually want to pick from the fruit. 
And sometimes you don't even feel like you've got the fruit for people to pick. But if it's there, people will recognize it. And so it's such a blessing to be able to invest in others. See, when you have a great, I'll, I'll talk personally, okay? I invest on the share market a little bit. And uh, there's nothing better than when you research a company and you find a company that, you know, you think no one else has found. You research it and it really seems like a really good investment. You invest on it and then within a few weeks it really goes really well. Now, for every success story there's 10 failures. But, uh, we, you know, we won't tell you that today. But, um, but when you do that, the first thing you want to see because of the, the, the return on the investment When you get that return on investment, the first thing you start thinking as an investor is, what can I do with that money? What can I do with that profit? And the first thing you think about is not necessarily going and buying a new car. It's where can I reinvest that? And this is what kingdom fruit does. When we become more fruitful as believers and this fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit and the fruit of the kingdom is, is, is released throughout our life, the first thing we want to do is reinvest it. Reinvest it where? In people. Relationships. Reinvesting the kingdom fruit from our lives into people, into people's lives. And then it's a multiplier. Go forth and multiply. Sure, multiply in population, but also multiply the kingdom fruit. And so it's a powerful thing when we learn to do this. I want to finish on that because I think I could go all over the place. But I want you to stand this morning. Lord, we just thank you this morning that you're here with us. Lord, I thank you that you are teaching and training us in the ways of righteousness. I pray for any who are here this morning who maybe are in a season where they haven't seen the harvest. They haven't seen the return on their investment. If that's you, just raise both hands. I'll just pray generally. Everyone's got their eyes closed. It's not important to me who does and who doesn't. This is about about you and him. But just do that as an act of obedience this morning and openness Lord, you, you know each heart who's sown and sown and sown and sown. And Lord, I pray this morning that you would unlock heaven with a fresh release of the anointing of God so that we would see clearly where our seed has been sown. Lord, if there's any areas that we've been sowing in the wrong areas, Lord, we pray alignment would come today. We pray you would speak to us, give us wisdom, give us truth And Lord, we pray that you would release the harvest, release the fruitfulness, release your fruitfulness. Lord, I pray for some, it'll be relational success. For some, it will be health. For some, it will be finances. For some, it will be areas in their job, in their career and study. And Lord, so today, we pray for a releasing of a season of fruitfulness, a season of joy. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Lord, we pray we can find that place of delight in you. Find that place of delight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I thank you already for the openings, for the promotions, for the breakthroughs, for the releasing. Lord, I thank you that even though we may not be able to feel it right now, we know you are, your word is so true. And you will bring it about. 
And so, Lord, I just decree that, even if some are even doubting as I'm saying that. Lord, I decree your goodness. I decree success. I decree life. I decree a win in that situation. I decree the victory of Jesus and the fruitfulness of the kingdom of heaven over your life in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Harvest Australia podcast. For more information and events in the life of Harvest Australia Church, please visit harvestaustralia.org.